Ready to break free from algorithms, vanity PR, and money-sucking ads? My name's Larissa Wurstiak, and I've learned in seven years of jewelry marketing that content is the crown jewel. My agency, Joy Joya, takes a holistic approach, leading with laser-focused storytelling, impactful content creation, and strategic content distribution. This method has worked for the solopreneur as well as the multi-million dollar company, and now I'm sharing the same systems and tactics with you. Here's to standing out in the sea of sparkle. In episode 257 today, we're chatting about how to blend merchandising with marketing, especially when it comes to spotlighting your jewelry brand in the most effective way possible. Some of you sparklers may not fully realize how your products and the way you show them, be it online or in an actual store, can either make or break your marketing. It's super important to remember merchandising and marketing kind of need each other to shine. While merchandising aims to sweeten that customer experience and product appeal, marketing often focuses on drawing customers to the digital or physical store, and marketing also nurtures relationships with customers over time. Merchandising helps keep things interesting. We'll be looking at this topic through the lens of Hillary Fink Jewelry, who we've been spotlighting as a jewelry brand case study. For those joining this podcast series for the first time this season, I'd suggest starting with episode 252. Doing so will introduce you to Hillary and allow you to follow this narrative from the beginning. But before jumping into the chat with Hillary, I'll talk about why merchandising matters so much for the success of your marketing, why you could be assuming your customers know more than they do about your products, and how you can get merchandising and marketing to work hand in hand. But before we get to the solid gold, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both audio and video, so you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube by searching Joy Joya. You can support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, let's get into today's episode, my sparklers. So this one is all about the beautiful relationship that is between merchandising and marketing. So merchandising and marketing work closely together because both aim to boost sales and give your customers a great experience. When marketing gets a customer's attention and brings them into a store or website, Merchandising steps in by making sure the products look really appealing and represent your brand story, as well as creating desire in the customer. So think about it. When you see an ad for, say, like a new piece of clothing that you like or a new brand that catches your eye, and then you see those same items beautifully displayed in store, whether that's online or in a physical store, That's marketing and merchandising working hand in hand. So marketing is really getting you into the store and merchandising is trying to make sure you don't leave without buying. Merchandising can also give your marketing a fresh touch. So it's less product focused, more interesting, more story driven. Customers are just sick and tired of hearing repetitive messages like, check out our new product. 
our sale is now on. That gets old quickly. But if marketing can showcase your existing products in exciting and in different ways, even without necessarily introducing new items all the time, then this can keep the customer's interest alive. You can play into seasonal themes, holidays, trends, customer behavior and interests, and more. So let's talk through five reasons why merchandising matters so much for the success of your marketing. First and foremost, we all know that first impressions matter. In the jewelry industry, presentation is pretty much everything. So proper merchandising ensures that the pieces are being presented in the most appealing and attractive manner. That way you're capturing the customer's eye instantly. Merchandising also enhances your brand image so it can help you tell a story, convey the brand essence, connect with your target customer in an emotional way. Whether you're selling vintage heirlooms or modern minimalist pieces, how you're presenting your products reinforces your identity and values and that helps you be more relatable to your target audience. Merchandising paired with marketing also drives sales, and we all love that. It can increase turnover of inventory, especially when you're merchandising based on things like demand, seasonality, upcoming trends. All these things can create time pressure for your customers and encourage sales so that products aren't just sitting on your digital or physical shelves. Merchandising, when done right, and with a plan and strategy can really complement your marketing campaigns, bringing consistency into all the messaging that you're sharing with customers. That means a seamless experience, making it super easy for customers to find and purchase the items that they've either seen in a photo, in an email, somewhere out in the world, so that they're not searching for it and wasting precious time. They're getting to check out much more quickly. And I've mentioned this a couple times already, but the customer experience is just enhanced and improved. So when a store or e-commerce website is well merchandised, That shopping experience, that environment is so pleasant. Customers can happily browse. They're not frustrated. They can even perhaps discover new pieces they might love that they didn't necessarily come to your store for. And this not only encourages immediate sales, but also repeat visits because customers will be more likely to return to a shopping environment that makes them feel good. I think one of the main roadblocks that gets in the way of jewelry brands paying attention to this fusion of merchandising and marketing is that they assume customers know more about the brand and about the jewelry than they actually do. And they're kind of afraid to over-communicate, to curate the experience. But It's just very important to not assume, and we talked about this in the last episode if you listen to that one. So a lot of jewelry business owners, they skip on this merchandising. They think the audience already knows every single piece in the collection, like the audience is already familiar. So why would they wanna see it again and again? I can guarantee you, 
this is not the case. I mean, unless you have some like diehard fan who is like always looking at your website or in your store for all the new pieces, but most customers will not be like that and they are probably missing a lot of product and they probably could be missing their next favorite piece because you are not merchandising to them appropriately. Not only could they be missing all those pieces, but if the products aren't being displayed in an attractive and enticing way that resonates with your target audience, They may see the product with their eyes, but they may not necessarily feel anything or connect with that product in their heart. And I kind of know this from personal experience, even just working in retail, and I've worked in jewelry stores. When you are a sales associate in a store, you spend a lot of time with the jewelry. You spend more time with the inventory than any customer is going to spend. And I know from those experiences that even being in the store for so many hours a day, you kind of start to see products in a new light the more you spend time with them or even when you're talking to customers, showing them how to wear the products. So a ring, perhaps, that I didn't even pay attention to on this day, three weeks later suddenly is my new favorite piece because I got to see it in new ways. Maybe we mixed up the display case. Maybe I was able to try it on with different outfits. Things don't always resonate when you first see them. They need to be merchandised in different ways until finally, maybe it kind of clicks for you that, oh, you like this piece. So I definitely feel that as a former sales associate, I know that spending time with jewelry can really help change your opinion about a certain piece. And merchandising really enables that for the customer who is definitely not spending hours a day with your jewelry. So for a customer to feel that pull to buy, they need to oftentimes see an item multiple ways presented in different scenarios, styled different ways before it actually clicks for them. So how can you actually get merchandising and marketing to work hand in hand? First of all, this is maybe like an obvious thing, but it's really the most straightforward approach to merchandising. Don't ignore themes, trends, seasons, holidays, colors, customer interests, and special events. So let me talk through each one of those really quick and give you some examples. So themes and trends. I've talked about this on the podcast before. You may not necessarily be a trend-driven brand, and I know a lot of you sparklers out there are not, but if you pay attention to cultural trends, to what people seem to be gravitating to in like popular culture or whatever, you can find ways to adapt that to your own brand and bring it into your merchandising without feeling like you're putting on a costume or not being true to your brand identity. So don't discount themes, trends, movements. Again, find ways to make them work for you. Seasons, very straightforward. 
People dress differently for different seasons. I would say most people do just by necessity. In the summer, in many places, you are going to wear one type of clothing. In the winter, you are going to wear another type of clothing. So merchandising your jewelry according to how your customers are behaving in each season is a very straightforward way to get the marketing to kind of click better based on the behavior that's happening. Holidays, of course, very straightforward. So the types of holidays that matter to your brand are going to be unique to you and what matters to your customers. But obviously some common ones would be Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, all of that festive November, December time of year. You can also think through colors. Many jewelry brands merchandise around birthstones or around color trends. Definitely don't forget your customer interests. So if you know that your target audience likes sustainability or they like artisan or handcrafted, you can bring those elements out in your merchandising. And lastly, think through special events that people may be having at certain types of year, certain times of year. So like in May, June, for example, there are a lot of graduations. Summer is often a time for weddings. So again, knowing that maybe a majority of your customers are celebrating these things, you can merchandise accordingly. Some other tips for merging merchandising and marketing would be paying attention to your branding. Ensure that your branding remains consistent across all platforms. So your in-store design or your e-commerce design, your packaging, your marketing campaigns, they should all echo the same themes, colors, and aesthetics. Also, don't neglect storytelling. Every piece of jewelry has a story. So use that to your advantage by intertwining the story in both your merchandising displays and your marketing campaigns so that you can really create that emotional connection. And if it doesn't have a story, make up a story. Lastly, use data. So use your sales data, your website analytics to determine which pieces are the most popular, which are the best selling, then you can highlight those things in your marketing campaigns and in store. So sales popularity like best sellers, that could be a form of merchandising or even you as the jewelry designer. What are your favorites? What do you actually like to wear every day? Those are other ways to merchandise. And in our upcoming interview with Hillary, we're going to dive into her hand hammered collection, which is a signature all metal range that really captures her approach to jewelry essentials. And while Hillary has often highlighted newness in her marketing, these staple products haven't had the chance to receive as much of the spotlight. So we'll be discussing the hurdles she's faced in merchandising and then explore potential strategies for the future. Let's start off by talking about what role does this hand-hammered collection play in the like greater scope of your jewelry business? So let's start there. Um, Well, it's the all metal collection. There's no stones that are set in it. It's just, it's simply metal. 
And all of the pieces have, all if not most of the pieces have some element or the entire thing has been hammered um, with just different hammers that I use, hammers that I've loved for so long to create jewelry. And it's um, it's a nice compliment to the, the captured collection. Is there like a specific history behind it? Like when did you start making the pieces? Definitely. So it's kind of, it's kind of like my first love. It's kind of what got me interested in making jewelry to begin with when I was in college was the forging sessions and the forming sessions and just discovering what you can do with a hammer. You can like literally move metal and create all these different shapes and forms with metal. And I used to do a lot of forging. I would create like armbands and um, like collar necklaces and, and stuff like that. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. And some of the pieces that are on my uh, website now, part of the hand hammer collection are pieces that I made when I first started. So like my fringe earrings and my fringe necklace, those earrings and necklace, that's a design I've been making for, I guess, like since the early two thousands. Um, or like the, the spike studs, you know, like I learned how to make a speculum one day in college and I was like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing. And so the spike studs are simply like a speculum cut in half and they're my favorite earrings. I wear my spike studs all the time. Um, so it just, you know, it, it's just, it reminds me of like what I first got into jewelry making for. That makes a lot of sense. I could really see now like why it means so much to you and the emotional connection that you have with it. Yeah. And it's a way for me to actually, I feel like a little bit more of a designer with that collection, like with the captured collection, the stone sometimes is what drives the design. But with the hand hammered collection, you know, I really get a chance to be inspired by things like, you know, art deco, modernism, brutalist architecture, things like that. Um, really, translate to sculptural jewelry really well. Mm -hmm. I was just going to ask how the two collections kind of like fit together also. I think they look great together. Um, <laughs> like I, I think that, you know, piece, stone pieces layered with just all metal pieces always look great. So, you know, whether you have, you know, captured diamond studs on your second hole and maybe the spike studs in your first hole or your, um, fringe earrings in your first hole or, you know, layering necklaces, you know, hand hammered long chains with like a shorter captured pendant. I mean, I think it's, you can just really layer it. And I think they complement each other really well. Do you ever have clients who send you pictures of like how they're styling the two collections together? Um, I think... I get some pictures of people showing me how they layer their jewelry with other designers that they like a lot. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. So there's um, a few people that also collect Marla Aaron, um, the little carabiner thingies and um, they'll, they will uh, put my orbs on the same chains as those, or they'll layer the necklace with those. That seems to be one that people really like to, to put together. Um, and I'm sure my clients are layering them up, but I don't get too many pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think? I know you said this is where you need me to kind of come in and help you, but I'm sure you have some thoughts about like 
what the hand hammered collection kind of represents or adds in terms of storytelling in your brand. Like, do you have any ideas about that? Well, I think since I've become so known for the captured collection, I just think the hand hammered collection is to reintroduce it as a way to explain to people, you know, where I started, where I'm coming from in terms of the design process, how this is really kind of a first love for me. I mean, hammering pieces is, it's active, you know, it's, it's physical. Um, it's a little bit different than when I'm, you know, creating bezels and, you know, doing all this very tiny work with my visors on, you know, when you're making a hand hammered piece, you're, you're literally sitting there hammering it. Um, so there's storytelling with that. I mean, just the, the different hammers that I use that I like a lot. Um, that could be a, a way to tell the story. It's just, you know, hand hammering is very primitive and it's such a traditional form mm-hmm. uh, that I think that there's, there's probably stories in there, but I'm always up for new ideas. It probably, it feels to me also like there's so much more of your energy in it because literally you're like <laughs> infusing it with energy. So they kind of, people who buy that, like get, get part of you in a way. Absolutely. And each piece is different. You know, I might make several pairs of the fringe earrings, but each one of them is going to be different. They're going to hang just slightly differently. They're going to be slightly different lengths because they're made by hand and the hammering process never turns out the same each time. And I like to see the hammer marks too. So I always make sure that like you can still get that, that feel that there was hammering done. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So since you've had this collection, what have you found is easy about marketing it? Let's start there. Um, I mean, I think, I think all the pieces look really nice together, but to be honest with you, I just haven't had the time to market it properly Mm -hmm. because my uh, captured collection has kind of become this driving force for um, my business. And I wish, and also, um, you know, these hand hammered pieces are very metal intensive and I really do love making them out of gold. And so it's, it can be difficult to, make a bunch of jewelry out of gold to have in the ready to ship section instead of having it kind of in a made to order way. And so I don't always have all the pieces in stock that I can continuously be making, uh, you know, I can continuously be photographing or mixing with other pieces to show layering. So I, I think that's, that's a challenge. Um, right now I do a lot of the pieces in 14 karat because I like kind of that rosy warmth of 14 karat, and then I'll do 18 karat with some of the other pieces. But I would really love to get into 22 karat. I think it photographs just beautifully. And so that's another um, that's another thing about the marketing that is maybe holding me up is, is I would love to, I'd love to use 22 karat, but I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, I imagine too that with the captured collection, it's probably just lends itself better to photography also. Yeah, stones always just pop way more in photography. And I have a little bit of a challenge with the all metal pieces there. You know, if the light isn't right, part of it looks too bright, or perhaps it looks doesn't look gold. It looks like dark brown or something. It's it can be it can be really I mean, jewelry in general is tricky to photograph, but 
all metal oh, yeah. pieces can be a challenge too. Yeah. So you've mentioned to us before in meetings that for a while you've been wanting to change the name of the hand hammered collection. I'm curious, like how long have you been thinking about that and what's kind of like the impetus behind wanting to change it? I think I've kind of been wanting to change it ever since I created that name. Um, to me, it was just kind of, I mean, I, I like the name a lot. And I've, it's funny because I've actually had this conversation with Liz Kantner a couple of years ago. I was like, is this the right name for this? And we both really liked it because it is the alliteration of hand and hammered sounds really good together. But I think what's holding, this has kind of always been like, uh, I'm not so sure is because not every single piece is hand hammered in the same way that other pieces are. There's, you know, some pieces where maybe I'm hitting a hammer through a dapping tool or hitting a hammer through a disc cutter. So, I mean, there is a hammer involved, but it just doesn't have the same feeling as like the bar links necklace that each mm-hmm. link is, has a, a hammer texture and things like that. So it's really just more about me being technical and wanting to be a little bit more accurate in what the collection is, even though like 95% of the collection is hand hammered. Interesting. What do you think is holding you back about like finding a new name? Like what just feels off about like other things you've considered? (laughs) I think what it is, is making the final decision. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really a final decision that you have to make and you have to be good with it. Right. So I think that's part of it. I can be a really indecisive person. And so really, it's just like deciding on it and a week later not being like, hmm, gosh, I really kind of wished I would have gone with the other one. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. um, so one thing we're doing, I, I don't know if I want to call it like reintroducing because we're not like formally changing that much, I guess, but we are just highlighting this collection a little bit more. We're like bringing it out in email marketing, just reminding people that it exists. So what are you kind of hoping to get out of that? And what's the goal for you to like start reminding your clients about it? I think everybody likes to have just gold jewelry without stones. You know, I think everybody likes to have a simple gold bracelet that looks great with other bracelets. Everyone likes to have a gold chain that looks great layered with your other gold chains. Same with rings, same with like, you know, ear party with studs and earrings. And so I just think that conveying that to my clientele, like, Hey, I've got these pieces here that would look amazing with not only my captured pieces, but all your other jewelry that you collect. So I really think that's, that's what I am excited for them to to kind of see and learn. And, you know, some of my long-term clients, they, they definitely know. But there's a lot of new people that maybe they just got excited about something they saw on Instagram that was a captured piece and they don't really know anything about the hand hammer collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And in that way, you're like providing a service more than you're selling because you're just helping people build out their jewelry wardrobe. <laughs> yes, and they need that. They really, really yeah. need it. Definitely. (laughs) So how do you see this collection evolving in the future? And like, where do you ultimately want to go with it? Um, I would definitely like to make more pieces in 22 karat, as I mentioned before. 
I also realized I don't have any rings in the Hammer Hammered collection, which is kind of odd. So that's something I need to, I mean, I think what it is about rings with just all metal is I would just want them to be super simple, you know, like a cigar band with hammer texture in it, you know, other rings that just are more textured. Um, I think that is just simple. It doesn't need to be a lot of rings, but maybe just a few little staple rings. I mean, that's kind of what this collection is. It's like your staple pieces plus some, you know, really nice pieces for like special occasions and parties and nights out and things like that. So yeah, I definitely need to, to make more rings. And I have some ideas for some new bracelets too, that I, I've got a lot of sketches of new products that I'd like to make. It's just a matter of finding the time to make them. Yeah. Well, I, I'm excited to see what the new products are. <laughs> Me too. I just need to make them. Yeah, they're in your brain. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, thanks for chatting today, Hillary. I liked learning a little more about this collection and hopefully we can get it to a place that it's like very easy to communicate and market to your clients. What did you think about the interview? Are you excited to follow Hillary on this journey? I highly encourage you to check out Hillary's website, hillaryfink.com and follow her on Instagram at Hillary Fink Jewelry. Link in the show notes as well. Let me know in a podcast review or YouTube comment what you think about this new journey. Okay, let's get into the gold mine. Welcome to another edition of the gold mine, a segment where I get personal and share insights on entrepreneurship, mindset, success, growth, and all things business. This week's gold mine is all about exploring how merchandising can both empower your customers and allow them to forge a personal connection with your brand and products. So in my work, I'm frequently collaborating with jewelry entrepreneurs who are aiming for an online shopping experience that can be more meaningful than that standard add to cart routine you find on sites like Amazon. So these entrepreneurs, typically because they're handcrafting jewelry, because they have unique designs, unique concepts, what they're after is an emotional connection, especially when they're showcasing unique or luxury items. So what is that magic formula? Well, blending the right amount of guidance with giving your customers permission to explore on their own is really going to be the key to merchandising. So it's about sparking their interest, giving them the tools, and then stepping back and trusting them to navigate and select what resonates with them all while being there when they need you. And now that I'm kind of thinking about this a little more, I myself am not a parent, but I imagine parenting is kind of like that. You raise your children with the values that you think are important. You give them the tools to empower them. And then after a certain point, you kind of have to like set them free into the world while still being there as a guide if they do need you. And in that way, you kind of have to have that same relationship with your customers. And merchandising can be the way that you empower them, that you teach them, that you give them the tools. And then you have to kind of set them free into the world of your jewelry brand. So 
practically the way to do this, if you're starting with e-commerce, you can refine your product pages. That's usually the first way to do that. So instead of lengthy, like technical descriptions, you'd want to emphasize the story behind each piece, capturing its essence. You want detailed photos that offer an up-close look so you can reveal the craftsmanship, the details. But also know the product page is just the beginning. On your e-commerce storefront, you could do this on the home page. You could do this on collection pages. Use those, use that real estate to pull customers into a constantly evolving brand universe. That means keeping that digital storefront fresh and inviting. So when you have an e-commerce store, it should never just be a set and forget activity. This is something that should be updated quarterly, monthly. You want to encourage people to come back and shop again and again, but if they come to your store and they see it's always the same, they're not going to be inspired to explore and have a fun experience with your brand. And so how then do you take this approach to marketing? So when we're working with clients and we're trying to find this marriage of merchandising and marketing, we're infusing email campaigns with thematic content and going beyond even just holidays and color trends. So here, examples of themes might be vintage romance, Bohemian Rhapsody, whatever really makes sense for your brand. And then extending that same spirit to social media. So encouraging feedback, asking questions, celebrating customer narratives, weaving those narratives into the brand's own storytelling, worrying less about the sale and the hard sell, and spending more time thinking about fostering an emotional bond. So when this like balance of merchandising and marketing is hit just right, then the results can be really powerful. You'll start to notice customers engaging deeply, sharing stories, sharing their attachment to certain pieces. And then your social platforms, they go from kind of just being like display windows to actually places where community can happen and can flourish. And even your email marketing becomes more than a sales pitch. It starts to become an open dialogue. It starts to become something that people actually look forward to receiving and opening. And in this expansive marketplace of jewelry, it's sometimes less about shouting and more about sharing a story and then trusting your customers to come closer and truly engage with you. So when you empower and really trust your customers, you can offer them an experience that few others will be able to replicate. And that will be your competitive advantage. What did you think? Let me know in an Instagram DM, podcast review, or YouTube comment. Did you have any questions about today's episode? You can always email me Larissa, that's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're completely new to digital marketing, then you'll want to purchase and read a copy of my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy. Visit joyjoya.com slash book for more information.